Hello, BBT. Welcome back. Thank you so much for being here. I truly appreciate you taking time out of your very busy day to spend it with me in personal development and mindset. Today's episode is actually going to be a replay from BBT The Group when we had a couple special guests come in and talk to us about nutrition. Personally, I am going on my own nutritional journey this year that's going to look very differently from what I have done in the past. Truth be told, I have done every diet out there. I've done keto. I have sold meal replacement shakes. I've done Optavia. I have fasted. I have done all of it. I've done the disordered eating. Oh, college and I were not friends when it came to that. I've tried it all. I've fluctuated. I've done the shift many times, up 20, down 20 pounds. Here we are. Now, I finally have the time and space to really understand the mindset behind eating, the mindset behind food, why I have been a yo-yo person my entire life. Probably started back in dance when I was a, a little girl, my sister. We were in that dance studio. If you ever watched the show um, Dance Moms on Bravo, we actually went to Candy Apples. And with that, there was a pretty toxic culture <laughs> when it came to image and how we looked. And my sister went on diet pills at the age of 15. So if that gives you just a little insight to how my life has been when it comes to eating, my relationship with food and diets, and how I think I should look, this is an area I still struggle with to this day. So as I have gone on my own mindset journey and I continue to dive into these topics, this is one that has been on my heart and soul so much recently because I want to learn the psychology behind it. I want to learn the mindset behind it. Truthfully, I have always wanted to be plant-based and I've never stuck around to it. I've never had the discipline. I've never had the help. I've never had the support. And more than anything, when I was really doing some soul searching here over the past few months, trying to understand why certain habits would stick, certain others, I would just let go away. What I really came down to, I didn't want to be a burden. And that kind of breaks my heart saying it. And I bet you will resonate with this as well if you are like me. I didn't want to be a burden to the people I was going to eat with, the people in my household, the people I was dating, my own family. I didn't want to be that person that would show up at Christmas and be like, I'm a vegan. I can't eat these things and be annoying. And that was my perception. I didn't want to be perceived as annoying, as burdensome, as someone that would take away from someone else's experience because of what I was doing. Looking back, it sounds ridiculous and I hate to say I was making myself smaller in this area for years because truly I love plant-based eating, but now is the time. Now is the time to really focus on what I want. And I love having those realizations, even though they can be a little sad and dark. Sometimes we have them and we're like, oh, wow, was it really people pleasing that kept me this way? Yeah. Yeah, it was. But once we have these realizations, there's power behind it. Mourn it. Do whatever you need to do. Feel the feelings. This is something I also, in the past, was not always good at, feeling the feelings. When I would come up with something new, when I would realize something, when I would try to process something that has been going on for, well, probably 16 years of my life at this point, feel the feelings. And so that is what I am going through, a major shift in my own eating style, in my habits, just trying to truly understand me and form a much better relationship with my own health, with my own body, with my own image. Come on this journey with me. That being said, today's episode, I brought in uh, a lifestyle nutrition 
doctor. Her name is Dr. Erin Mayfield. She is amazing. She's a retired OBGYN. She has so many years of experience, but she also comes from enough of a culinary background that she is a superstar when it comes to plant-based eating, why we should, the health behind it, and how to make it a little easier. I have her. I also have Heather Flowers, who is a chef and a nurse, and she is going to, you'll hear them on another episode later. I'm going to bring them both on so that we can do more Q&As. We can learn about this. If this is something you have absolutely no interest in, it's okay. Skip to the next one. But if you're like me and you are a student and you just like to learn things, I'm going to do a lot more where I'm going to call episodes, hey, teach me something cool. And instead of bringing on guests that are supposed to help my audience, help my, yeah, help grow my audience. Yes, I should be doing that, but you heard, I don't care. I want to bring on people that are going to teach me something cool because I want to learn. And I hope that's why you're here to learn. So enjoy this episode. Again, this is a replay from the Facebook group. If you want to join in on the plant-based eating challenge, come learn from me. We're making a recipe book. We're having fun with this. And that was the whole point of the group. Something and just other people to have fun with while we grow, while we explore, while we learn something new, while we make mistakes, while we have huge blunders, we can laugh together. So come learn with us today. Let me introduce Dr. Erin Mayfield. She is an absolute joy to be around. I hope you enjoy this one. Hello, everybody in BBT. Thank you so much for joining today. We have an expert panel right now for what we're doing the rest of the month with this challenge. Not only do we have Dr. Erin, who right now, her name is Steve on Zoom. Don't worry (laughs) about that. This is our wonderful expert, Dr. Erin. She will introduce herself shortly. We also have Chef Heather Flowers. You guys have seen Heather before. If you're new here, it's maybe been a little while, but last year, a lot of us got to watch Heather transform into becoming a plant-based personal chef. So I will let them introduce themselves more Before that, again, thank you for being here. Please join in as long as you can. Watch the replay. Use this information to not only feed your body, but feed your mind. Try to learn something new. There's information here for everybody. Even if you do not want to be plant-based entirely, you can still learn better ways to nourish your body. And that's what we're going to focus on. So no matter what your diet or lifestyle is, we're not saying you have to do this. But we want to give you the option to learn. And if this is going to serve you, join us. That being said, Heather, I know you've got to run first. Can you give us a little background on you, how you are going to support us the rest of the week, and how you became a plant-based chef? Uh, Yes. Hey, uh, hey, everybody. Thank you. I'm Heather Flowers. I'm from Pensacola, Florida, and I have um, been on a plant-based journey since 2019. I started um, just having a personal interest and learning more about um, eating plant-based and quickly grew into a passion. And in 2022, I decided to make it my professional journey. And so I started a plant-based personal chef service here in Pensacola, Florida. Um, Through uh, networking ventures, I met with Dr. Aaron and we have developed a lovely partnership and We're doing a lot of good things in the community and excited to do and expand virtually um, to help people learn more about plant-based nutrition. So I like to say I cook what the doctor orders. You know, she really does a lovely job teaching the science behind the nutrition and I get to do the fun part and do the creative, um, you know, cooking side of it, getting the lovely food on the plate and delicious, you know, tasting delicious. So that's really what 
our whole mission is, is to help support people, meet people where they are, and just tell them a little bit more about what plant-based means. Uh, just the other day, someone didn't really, they're like, I'm kind of interested in learning more about this plant-based, but I don't really understand what it means. And I was like, honestly, just very simply put, it's more fruits and veggies on the plate. And they're like, oh, I like fruits and vegetables. I'm like, yeah, now you see. So, you know, I mean, of course, with anything, you know, we love teaching people how to, you know, different cooking styles, different um, flavor profiles, and really, you know, meeting people one-on-one and seeing what do they like to eat? How do they like to eat? You know, what times do they like to eat? How do they like to shop? And so it's just really marrying what you already, you know, what are, what your food practices already are, and just trying to support that by adding more, you know, plant-based, plant-based foods into it. So, yeah. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Heather. Can you also tell yeah. us your background before you transition into being a plant-based chef? Why does your yes. in the medical field? Yeah, so I'm actually a registered nurse and practiced here locally uh, for 18 years, um, working with patients in the hospital setting. Um, and I was actually, I'm a wound care specialist. So a lot of my um, clients that I would work with, you know, were, you know, suffering from a lot of chronic disease. And while you know, during my time as a nurse, I would always encourage them to eat healthier. But really, at the end of the day, I'm not sure that what I was verbalizing at the time was actually translated to the plate. So now I just really like my passion is to really bring home and kind of close the loop and really teach people like practical techniques and ways and how to's to actually get those, you know, those theories and those concepts that we all know we should do, but actually getting it to the plate and making it fun. Beautiful. Thank you so much. So Heather's going to help us out the rest of this, not only this week, but when we get into our plant-based eating challenge, which is going to start Saturday, Heather, you have been such a resource for me trying to transition into eating a lot more plant-based. She is a wealth of knowledge. So thank you, Heather, for helping us out. You really have married the best of both worlds together and you have been an awesome resource and awesome friend. So thank you, Heather. I appreciate your time. Thank you. All right, next up, welcome Dr. Erin Mayfield. I could say a lot of wonderful things about her, but I'm going to let her go ahead and cover her background because there's a lot that I respect, I appreciate, but more than anything, just thank you for spending time with us and educating us. I love learning. And so I'm just going to be a student and you are going to take it away. Okay. Well, Brie, it's just a privilege to be here with you and with all of your clients and friends. I'm always thrilled to talk about nutrition because it's something that I have been uh, passionate about really my whole life. And I was just to give you some background. I did grow up in Canton, Ohio, went to medical school in Ohio, and then went to Michigan. I did. I grew up in Canton, Ohio, and my mother's still there. So we have a real soft spot for Canton, Ohio. My my brother and sister both went to Ohio State, you know, so we are Ohio State fans. But um, but after medical school, I really fell in love with delivering babies during my internship and ended up doing an obstetrics and gynecology residency. And I loved working with women. I love women's health. And a big part of women's health is nutrition. And And it's a critical issue. It's such a critical issue that the more research we have, the more we can demonstrate that food is really, food is really your medicine. Food 
is so powerful that it can be healing and it can um, promote anti-inflammatory effects in all of the tissues in your body. But on the other side of the coin, it can be very damaging and it can cause inflammation throughout your body that actually drives the formation of 80% of the chronic diseases that we suffer with in our country. So I love nutrition. Because I've been in medicine for such a long time, I graduated in, from medical school in 1984, I've seen trends, lots of trends come and go. I've seen lots of diets come and go and worked with thousands of women through the years who've experimented with all of that. You know, and every time something new comes out, we want to know that that's the thing, that that's the magic that's going to help us live a long and healthy life. And it's going to, that it needs to be easy. And sometimes we look to the marketing of supplements to think, well, maybe that's a magical cure. So, so we've had these trends through the decades that really have not proven the test of time. But what we do have is research in whole food plant-based eating to demonstrate that yes, not only can you prevent these chronic diseases naturally using foods from the grocery store, but you can arrest the progression of chronic diseases and even potentially reverse chronic diseases. So I do have a little PowerPoint ready to go. If you all are ready for that, we'll uh, share screen and we'll go for it. We are so ready. I am so excited for this. Okay, thank you. And I did, just so you know, Steve is my husband. I had to sign in on his Zoom account because he has a professional account. Uh -huh. So, okay, so here we go. And feel free to ask questions, chat. I love questions. So the name of my new medical practice is Lifestyle Medicine Wellness and Recovery, LLC. So I was an OBGYN in Covington, Georgia for almost 30 years. And when I moved to Pensacola, Florida, I discovered this newly organized medical specialty called lifestyle medicine. And what we know is that we can get back to basics and treat chronic diseases by looking at the six pillars of health. We know that a food has been medicine for centuries. Hippocrates was brilliant when he said, let food be thy medicine and medicine be thy food. These are our six pillars of health and lifestyle medicine. We know that eating plants is anti-inflammatory and healing. We know that when we eat whole foods, that's anti-inflammatory and healing. Therapeutic sleep is a critical issue. Avoiding chemicals, moderate exercise, stress management, and healthy relationships, which is one of the reasons I so admire Brie and the work that she does because she helps people move along on their journey so that they can live a long and healthy life. We know that the standard American diet drives the formation of 80% of the chronic diseases in our country. And that's a staggering amount of illness and early deaths in our friends and loved ones. And it's processed foods, uh, foods heavy in salt, fat, and sugar, meat heavy diets, dairy heavy, all of those things contribute to the formation of 80% of these diseases. This includes Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, MS, pulmonary diseases, arthritis, diabetes, renal failure, fatty liver, heart disease, strokes, heart attacks, 
and autoimmune disorders like uh, Crohn's and IBS. And we know that diet is the driver to the formation of 40% of adult cancers. And that's just staggering to me to think that we could have 86% fewer deaths and illness in our loved ones is just, it's very powerful to me, it's phenomenal to me. But we know when we start to look at diet changes, there are lots of factors that contribute to whether or not people are willing or curious about changing their lifestyle. We know that processed foods really came onto the market and were developed in the early 1950s, which means that almost all of us have now grown up with processed foods and what we consider as a normal diet, what we hear as, as healthy choices are greatly influenced by the advertising and the food industry. And the food industry affects policy in Washington, DC. The food industry lobbying affects the, the literature that comes out of government agencies like the USDA and the FDA. So we know all of these things affect our food choices. So how do we even begin to tackle that? What I'd like to do first is give you some examples of how powerful the food is that we eat. And you may be familiar with this gentleman. His name is Eric Adams. He's now the mayor of New York City. He worked his way up from living in the ghetto to becoming a New York City policeman, to becoming a captain, to being elected to the Brooklyn Borough's presidency. And one morning, and he ate all of the classic standard American foods. He ate the classic donuts that policemen ate. And he talks about that in his book, but he woke up blind one morning. He was 56 years old, ran into the doctor, got the classic, um, the classic diagnosis, the classic instructions, here, start on these medications, go see the dietician and I'll see you in two months. Two months, let's see how your sugars are doing. He took a deep dive into the research and discovered whole food plant-based eating. He completely eliminated the processed foods, meat and dairy from his diet, lost 60 pounds naturally and restored his vision and his blood vessel disease in less than 60 days and was off all of his medication. I think my slides have, um, have changed in order, but we can still continue on. So what we know is that the foods that we eat not only nourish our tissues, but they nourish the gut bacteria. They also determine how our gut functions. We know that there are trillions of bacteria in our gastrointestinal system, and those bacteria help digest our food. They're a critical part of digesting our food and also producing the neurotransmitters like dopamine who help us to help us with our happy chemicals. So 80% of the dopamine is, um, is produced in the gut by these bacteria, whereas we used to think that it was all produced in the brain. Dr. Aaron, can I stop you and just say, yes. are you telling me that what we eat affects our mindset? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> 
Oh, it absolutely does. And in fact, we've got great studies to demonstrate that what we eat directly impacts depression. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for asking. One of the ways that our gut bacteria works for us is if we eat enough dietary fiber and we don't have any fiber in meat, dairy, and eggs. Nine out of 10 Americans don't get the recommended servings of fruits and vegetables a day, which literally means that nine out of 10 Americans are malnourished. We might not look malnourished, we're not skinny, you know, we, but, but the problem is still the same. We don't get enough dietary fiber. And it's that dietary fiber that promotes the growth of the healthy bacteria that promotes appropriate digestion of the fiber and creates all of these lovely hormones and chemicals to help us have a healthy gut, prevent leaky gut, prevent uh, diseases, prevent constipation, and improve our well being. We also know that feeding the gastrointestinal system appropriately is like working out. If you eat unhealthy foods most of the time, you, you grow the unhealthy bacterial that in turn produce the inflammatory chemicals that can promote the development of all of these diseases that we already talked about. When we eat the healthy food, when we eat the plants that are so full of um, high octane nutrition, it's like working out every day, your gut your gut is accustomed to digesting those foods. You grow the healthy bacteria to digest those foods and one process complements another. You feel great, you have more energy, you sleep better and you avoid getting so many diseases and at such a young age. I've got two questions really quick too. Uh, as people are watching right now. First, um, Oh, and I lost my chat. Okay, Joe Joanna wants to know, is it more of how much we eat or what we actually eat that matters? It absolutely is what we eat. Whole plant foods are what's called nutrient dense, which means they are packed full of healthy compounds that help promote healthy tissues. They help, um, prevent weight gain and they help healthy sleep. So yeah, absolutely what we eat makes a huge difference. All right, beautiful. And then the second question was somebody on Facebook. Thank you, Noemi, for this, but tell me more about, I don't know if it's a myth or not, but how much protein do we actually need when eating plant-based? I get that as a question a lot. Like what if I don't get enough protein? Oh, and that is a wonderful question because everybody wonders about this. And what I like to ask people to do is to reflect on where that came from. And there are similar questions to this that pop up in our minds. And I like to reflect on where did that come from? Because that's part of the food industry marketing jargon. Because you hear a lot about how chicken is clean protein, how you have to eat your protein. You hear it from personal trainers at the gym, but they've been inundated with the same marketing that we have. And what we consider clean protein are plant proteins. Plants, all plants actually have 
plenty of protein. So you, and beans have a wonderful amount of protein. So when you eat a balanced whole food plant-based diet, you never have to worry about getting enough protein. You get plenty in the plants that you eat. And we will give you a framework for how you can monitor that on an app, Dr. Gregor's Daily does an app, we'll show you that later, so that you can actually monitor that and make sure that you get enough servings per day of the foods that will feed you for optimum health. Beautiful, thank you. Okay, so the slide that you're looking at now is a cross-section of an aorta. It's, a, it's your large blood vessel coming out of your heart. The reason I like to put this slide in is to demonstrate how fat is absorbed into your bloodstream, how it circulates through your tissues, and how it is deposited and damages the walls of the blood vessels. Plants do not have cholesterol. Only meat and dairy and eggs have cholesterol. So this type of blood vessel damage only happens when you eat animal proteins. As you can see, and this takes time, it obviously takes time for this to happen, but what you can see how the diameter of the blood vessel actually decreases, which would decrease the blood flow to the tissues. And over time, it gets smaller and smaller and smaller until, for example, in the heart, you would have a heart attack because the tissue dies, it's not getting enough blood flow or a piece of plaque breaks off that blocks a blood vessel that can also cause a heart attack. This is the same, um, the same thing that happens with strokes, same principle. This is the same thing that happens in the tiny blood vessels, especially important to men, is their uh, penile blood flow. And this is why you hear information on the news about how having um, ejaculatory dysfunction is the canary in the coal mine for coronary artery disease later in life. Because those are very tiny, very delicate blood vessels. And when they start to clog from the fat that people eat in their diets, it starts to show up in sexual function. And it's a very serious issue. And it's one that men need to take care of as soon as it shows up because of this silent disease formation in the larger vessels in their body. Dr. Caldwell Esselstein is a good name to know. He was one of our esteemed physicians and scientists who did a lot of research in whole food plant-based eating about 30 to 40 years ago. He was a surgeon at the Cleveland Clinic who noticed that people in industrialized nations, especially in the United States, had enormous amounts of heart disease and cancers and strokes that people in uh, third world countries did not have, but it, it turned out to be the diet. Dr. Esselstein is now 90, so it's his wife. He's lived, this, he's lived this eating pattern his entire life. He lives what he preaches and he's on no prescription medications whatsoever and neither is his wife. So they really are a testament to the power of plant-based eating. This is another picture of a coronary artery. This is actually a coronary angiogram. Some of you may be familiar with this. This is when you, uh, are, you have an IV placed and you have dye injected into your vessels. 
They take pictures of the coronary arteries. This is one of Dr. Esselstein's uh, young surgeon associates. He was 46 years old, trim and a jogger when he had a heart attack in the operating room at the Cleveland Clinic on November 27, 1996. They cast him and you can see where it says distal LAD. You can see how thin and kind of moth eaten and diseased that blood vessel looks. They told him because of the location of that occlusion, that he was not a candidate for stents. He was not a candidate for open heart surgery. And the only thing that he could do was take medication and jump into whole food plant-based eating. The picture on the right depicts his coronary arteries, that same coronary artery seven months after jumping in to eat a whole food plant-based diet. He did dissolve the plaque in his artery. Those plants were anti-inflammatory. They did heal him and he restored his blood flow to his coronary arteries. And he's not the only one. This is very possible. And thousands of people have had uh, transformations like this using the power of feed. We're gonna to jump to kidneys for a minute because people don't talk about kidneys much. You never hear about kidneys in the news, but your kidneys are also very delicate organs. They take a lot of abuse before disease shows up. And so this is why I threw in a couple of slides. CKD is chronic kidney disease and it comes in stages. And you may know of diabetics who, who talk about having CKD or chronic kidney disease because it's a disease of the blood vessels. But that disease starts earlier with the food and the obesity and the hypertension. It just, it's like, it just eats away at your insides over time. So it's important to know this exists. Young people don't have this, young people don't see it. It's just not on your radar screen, but it is a really important uh, issue to be aware of because maybe your parents have this, maybe your grandparents have this, and it's important to know that you can also reverse this trend by changing your food. We know that 14% of the people in the United States have chronic kidney disease. We know that the risk increases for certain ethnic groups, and we know that kidney disease kills more people every year than breast or prostate cancer. We know that we can decrease the, the incidence of chronic kidney disease by eating a whole food plant-based diet. We can decrease the incidence by 53%. And for every five grams per day increased in plant-based fiber that we eat, we have 11% decreased risk of kidney disease. Soy protein is a very healthy protein for people to eat. If you are not allergic to, to soy, Soy is truly the cleanest protein you can eat. It's packed full of fiber. It's packed full of omega-3s, antioxidants. It uh, contains chemicals called phytoestrogens who act that actually can decrease the risk of getting breast cancer. And it's a lovely product you can eat every day. And as you can see here, it also helps your kidney health. I have a question really quick about that. Yes. I feel like in diet culture or somewhere along the line, we villainized soy protein saying that too much of it was bad for you and caused cancer. Was that something from, again, like diet culture that just went mainstream and is a total myth? Yes, absolutely. Decades ago, and I saw this taught in, um, I saw this taught in my residency 
that soy proteins were bad for women, especially if they have breast cancer, and they were told to cut it out completely because they contain this compound called phytoestrogens. When in fact, we now have solid research and technology to demonstrate that the phytoestrogens don't stimulate the estrogen receptors like it was thought years ago, but in fact, it latches onto those estrogen receptors and blocks them so, that's, so it decreases the estrogen stimulation and actually in that way helps prevent cancer. Beautiful. And then I've got yes. another question about soy. Um, David asks, he heard it was, someone told him it was horrible for men specifically because it decreases testosterone. Is that true or false? Oh, no. No, that's false. And in <laughs> fact, eating soy protein can decrease the risk of prostate cancer. So there isn't anything about soy that can attack a man's masculinity or hormones. Uh, one of the things that's interesting that I learned you know, just recently was that um, when men are overweight, it's the overweight and the adipose cells that actually do the most damage. And the reason is because it doesn't matter if you're male or female, when you carry extra weight, those fat cells, which we used to think were just, you know, like yellow blobs that never did anything, they actually produce over 50 uh, chemical compounds, including some hormones that can be detrimental to your health. And one of those is a weak estrogen. So the fat cells actually produce a weak estrogen that increases a woman's risk of breast cancer and endometrial uterine cancer, but also that is the same estrogen that causes men to get what they call man boobs. It's the estrogen stimulation to the breast tissue from the adipose tissue that causes that. So, so you can see how one thing creates a problem for the next thing, but it's all related. So when you can focus on the plant foods and you can decrease the amount of stimulation to your tissues from animal products, you lose weight naturally. When you lose weight naturally, you decrease the production of a lot of those toxic compounds that are causing hormone imbalances and you restore your health, but it's in the most natural way possible. And to me, that's one of the most exciting things I have encountered in all of my 45 years of medicine is just that one thing. So it's all related. Those are absolutely wonderful questions and I love them, keep asking. I have more of that. I would say soy is a really popular topic. So in the Facebook, I've got a couple more. So okay. no, I think it's Michael. Can I eat any type of soy or do I need to pay attention to what kinds of soy I'm eating? Well, that's a good question. And I think that kind of plays into the plant processed foods that we're starting to see a lot of on the market. So when you eat soy, you wanna look at the soy in the same way you look at other whole plant foods. Tofu is wonderful. It's a fermented product that is only gut healthy. It doesn't do anything bad to you. Uh, edamame, those are the beans. You can use those for cooking. I've got a guacamole recipe. I use half edamame and half guac. So I cut the amount of fat, but I get the taste of the avocado. I, make it without oil, throw some spices in, it's delicious. That's another good way to get it. Um, we use tofu in our smoothies. We can put spices and basil and herbs in our 
tofu and create dips. We use that instead of mayonnaise, sour cream. We can substitute all of that using tofu and it's just not bad for you at all. So there are lots of different ways to eat so tofu and soy. Soy milk is great. Uh, we even make our own unsweetened soy yogurt at home. That's a piece of cake to make. Anybody can do that. So there are lots of tricks. But what I would avoid is the new, if you're really going for pure plant food, is to avoid the processed plant foods that you're starting to see a lot of in the grocery store. The impossible burgers are full of unhealthy oils. Mm. Um, it's certainly better to eat an impossible burger than to eat a hamburger, but there's still some unhealthy ingredients in those processed plant foods. So just be careful if something's labeled that says, made with plants while well, read the ingredients because there's some hidden problems with those. So I hope that helps. Yes, thank you. And then I had one more about protein intake. The 0.8 grams per pound. Uh-huh. Is that a myth? That's actually per kilo. Or per kilo. That's appropriate. And these slides were borrowed from one of my uh, Lifestyle Medicine Associates, who's an absolutely outstanding uh, nephrologist at UCLA. And he talks about how the amount of protein that Americans eat are contributing to this to renal failure, mm -hmm. to damaging the kidneys and renal failure. So yes, the 0.8 grams per kilo is appropriate. And he really maxes it out. He said, even weightlifters have to be so careful because they have a tendency to to overconsume protein, which is very damaging to the kidneys. So the 0.8, no more than 1.2. So break that down, like say somebody, give me like what that is in total grams for like a 150 pound person. Oh, I have to get out my calculator. Right. <laughs> but basically you're saying most of us are, are overeating protein because we've been told yes. that that's what you're supposed to do to lose weight is focus on macros and eat high protein. When you... Yes, that's right. Um, many of the diets that focus on one type of nutrient, or for example, the keto diet, it's very high in fat. And keto diets, I mean, they do. They create metabolic changes that cause you to drop weight really fast. But the fat, remember, the fat is still circulating in your bloodstream. Those fatty foods are still depositing fat in your blood vessels. So it's not sustainable. Keto is just not sustainable. We always try to transition people really to whole plant foods and not stay on keto because of all of this that you're seeing on the screen. Beautiful. And then for anybody watching on Facebook, Angie just did the math for us. And she said about 140 pound person needs about 50 grams. And that is blowing my mind because I have been the person that tried all the diets and used to sell the supplements and used to do the high protein meal replacement shakes. And I was aiming for like 150 grams of protein a day. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I, I hear that a lot at the gym. Now, well, we can diverge a little bit and let's talk about protein powder for a minute because that's also a subject of interest. And it was for me. Uh, it took me about a year of searching online to find a protein powder that I liked. Most protein powders are made from whey protein, which is a byproduct of the dairy industry. So that is a cow's milk protein. And cow's milk protein 
has been shown to be one of the most carcinogenic proteins in the formation of breast cancer. So if you feel like you need protein powder, and sometimes we do, we have it at home too. Sometimes we put it in our smoothies, we make it a part of our breakfast. We use pure organic pea protein. And I buy mine from a farm in California that sources their protein from organic farms in Canada. They have a very close longstanding relationship. They batch it, they test it, they can show you that it's pure and it has no additives, no sugar, no nothing. It's just pure protein. So if you really want to augment with some protein, you stick with your plant-based protein and please stay away from whey protein products. Thank you. Very, very, very good to know. Have okay. any more? One last question, nothing to do with protein, but is there any food that helps reduce cholesterol blood levels or what foods do we need to avoid? Oh, that's wonderful. The fiber that you eat in plants, and of course, plants includes beans. And one of my favorite things to tell people is just think replacing meat with beans because beans just, they're such a powerhouse full of nutrition and they've got that fiber that helps you reduce cholesterol. When you eliminate added fat and animal proteins from your diet, when you eliminate milk, cheese, uh, all the dairy and meat, you're basically eliminating cholesterol from your diet because plants don't have cholesterol in them. So you can get your, your cholesterol as low as it can go naturally by changing what you eat. But the fiber absolutely helps remove cholesterol. Beautiful. Thank you. I think that's it on questions for now. So we will let you continue. Okay. Sugar. <laughs> Well, one thing I just like to throw in there, this, I mean, it puts a smile on my face and yet it's tragic at the same time. And that is one of the weight loss drugs on the market works by absorbing fat and not allowing it to be absorbed into the bloodstream. So it turns out, so you're eating your normal standard American diet and you're taking this medication that has side effects, but one of the side effects is greasy diarrhea. But why? Because that's how it works. It holds the fat in your colon and you have these problems. And one of the side effects that the company warns people about is actually incontinence. And they tell people to wear a diaper while they're taking this medication. It's like so unnecessary. It's so unnecessary. And now they're talking about using diet medications in children because the obesity rates in children are so high. Because the nutrition in children is so poor that the pediatric society has come out and said, we have got to do something to turn around the obesity rates in children, start using diet medications and even consider bariatric surgery. And like that made my head one explode. That came out about six weeks ago. I so, love all the heads that are shaking right now too. And the mouths open and the zoom we're oh, all blown away by like, this. And, um, and so what this says to me is, I mean, it's not we know it's a tragedy and we know we don't want that to happen to our children. But we also know the only way to fix that is for all of us to jump in and start to learn about this and take responsibility for it. And part of this goes back to the food industry and policy in Washington and the dairy industry, you know, lobbying Congress to continue to serve cow's milk at lunch and not have any plant-based options for kids. And it's just that whole mess. I mean, you all know about that. So anyway, but 
but I like to continue to make people aware of those things because to me, that's just, a, that's a tragedy. And it doesn't have to be that way. That's the, that's the point. It just, it's so unnecessary, but we need to take charge as adults to help make this happen. Mm -hmm. So we're talking, this slide just talks quickly about sugar intake, how eating refined sugar increases your risk of chronic kidney disease by over hundred percent. Red meat is the same and artificially sweetened soda, which I used to drink a lot of. I mean, it just, it increases your risk too. The artificial sweeteners also damage your kidneys. Most people don't know that in 2015, the World Health Organization convened a panel of scientists from 10 countries, 25 scientists from 10 countries who looked at all the scientific data and determined that all processed meats were a class one carcinogen. And processed meats are bacon, lunch meat, jerky, and sausage. And they also added that most mammalian meat is probably carcinogenic. And so we know from years of research that red meat is one of the drivers of the formation of colon cancer. And you all, I think, have seen the ads on television recently that said, well, the American Cancer Society has changed their recommendations for screening colonoscopies. So people, because, because colon cancer is showing up at younger ages. So let's start doing our colonoscopies at age 45 instead of 50. Well, why is that? It's because of this. It's because of what we're talking about. It's not because there's some bizarre thing happening or something happening in people's bodies that we don't know about. It's directly related to our nutrition. And I've, and I've had friends who've died under age 30 from colon cancer. And it's just doesn't have to be that way. And this is what we just talked about is the um, rate of obesity in children. And in fact, adults in the United States, 75% of adults are overweight or obese. Nine out of 10 adults who have diabetes have diabetes because they're obese. And we already talked about how nine out of 10 adults are malnourished because they don't eat enough fruits and vegetables in a day. One out of five children is obese, which means the rates of diabetes in children and teens is skyrocketing. We, um, if a child has chest pain, or a young person has chest pain and they go to the emergency room, we have to work them up for, for a heart attack. People that are 21 aren't supposed to be having heart attacks or 25 or 30, but it's happening. And it's all because of this. And this is, this is what we love to do. This is what we promote to people. It doesn't have to be hard. You focus on fruits and vegetables, 50% of your plate covered with fruits and vegetables. Plant proteins, you've heard what those are. All types of beans work. They all work. Uh, soy works. Tofu works. Nuts and seeds, they're great. And then whole grains. We don't like processed grains because it causes the same types of health issues and inflammation. So whole grains like quinoa, whole grain rice, brown rice. We try to stick with organic because of the pesticide chemicals that come along with using non-organic products. But this is what we do. Add your herbs and spices. You can make it so delicious, like Heather said, that um, you never want to go back to meat. Your taste buds change. You crave these things because your body craves them because you feel so good on them. 
This so is really quick, we did have a question I wanted to address. I knew we'd get to it though. So okay. are you saying that our fruit and veggie smoothies a good thing to do daily is what Nikki wants to know. Yes, they can be. Absolutely. If that's if that's the way she prefers to get some fruits and vegetables, if that helps her in the morning or at lunchtime because she's busy or she's running to work or she doesn't have time to just sit and eat and chew, then absolutely do your smoothies. And we put all kinds of great stuff in our smoothies. My husband has this power smoothie he makes with, he uses coconut milk. I use almond milk, but I also use soy. I love them all, but you use your plant-based milk. He adds his greens, so he puts spinach, some peanut butter, his protein powder, his uh, tofu. Now he likes to add our homemade soy yogurt. He puts his fruit in there, his banana and his berries, and he just has a wonderful time with his smoothie. But you can do that. You just put in the things that you enjoy. And um, it absolutely is just totally 100% powerful fuel for your body. And that's what excites me the most about this type of eating. You can't say that about any other, anything else. And what we do, what Heather and I do with our recipes is we take recipes and she is just a wizard with taking any recipe and creating a whole food plant-based healthy recipe. And this is culinary medicine. We take every ingredient and make sure that it's healthy for your body. And when you eat it, you don't have to have guilt about anything. You don't have to wonder if it's good for you, if it's bad for you, if it's putting on extra weight. You don't have to get up the next morning and go, oh, I feel terrible because of all that heavy food I ate. Why did I do that? If this is a self-regulating, healthy, intuitive type eating diet. It's a, a very um, natural way to eat. You get foods from the grocery store. You don't have to have anything special. You don't have to have any special supplements, except people who do this 100% do need a B12 supplement because we don't get B12 naturally in fruits and vegetables and protein and plant-based protein. So you do this, you take your B12 supplement and you're all set. Can you recommend how to find a good quality one? Are, are there different quality levels? Like how do we know what we're, what B12 is, is going to be? It's good. So that's a good question. It's said that the chewables or the sublinguals, sublingual B12 supplements are better absorbed. And really when you go to the drugstore, the staples that they have that we see a lot like Nature's Bounty and Nature's Miracle, but those are fine. They work just fine. So, and I've had blood work to demonstrate that they do. You know, I'm always curious about this too. Well, how do you know that it's really being absorbed and it works? Well, we've got some really good blood test to show that it does. So those have worked for me just fine. Thank you. Okay. And then on the topic of not needing to avoid or maybe avoiding just things that aren't plants, David asked, what about lectins and nightshade? He's been wondering about, do we need to avoid those if you're eating plant-based? Because I think he was on something where he was told to avoid lectins and nightshade. Yes. Now the nightshade, I would have to look up. I mean, I've read about it in the past, but I don't have <clears throat> information off the top of my head to give to you, but I can certainly get that ready for our Q&A on Sunday. <clears throat> Lectins, that's another compound that has been in the news a lot, especially in the past, and especially in regards to tomatoes. Mm -hmm. And what we know is that when you focus on the whole plant foods, the healing compounds in the plants that have the lectins 
counteract the lectins. So you don't have to restrict tomatoes or other types of whole plant foods like that because of how the, it balances out when you consume them. And we've got really dynamite research to show how eating uh, regular servings of tomatoes actually not only decreases the risk of prostate cancer, but it helps turn off the prostate cancer promoting genes in the DNA. Awesome, excellent. And that's right. great stuff. One more question. Talk to us about fruit, because fruit gets a bad reputation. We can have too much, so there's too much sugar. Is there a certain amount of recommended servings for fruit every day? Oh, that's a great question too. Yes, we hear a lot about the sugars in fruits. Um, I think some of that came from the old-fashioned diabetic counseling, which really persists today. Diabetics have been warned to avoid eating fruit because of the sugar, but in fact, the sugar in fruit is very different than our refined sugars or really any other processed sugars. When you look at things like monk fruit syrup, uh, coconut syrup, those types of things are still considered processed foods, even though they're plant-based sweeteners. The sugars in fruits and even vegetables, I mean, there's some sugars in vegetables too, but they're complex carbohydrates. And those complex carbohydrates are exactly what the healthy gut bacteria need to thrive and help you be healthy. So there isn't anything wrong with the sugars in fruits. Now, you know, we limit fruit, we say, you know, the, um, the numbers of fruits and vegetables that you need in a day to have a healthy diet would be like seven to eight servings. So maybe three or four pieces of fruit, same with vegetables. Uh, one serving of leafy greens is about two cups of leafy greens, but we can easily eat those. That's really rare. And I've really never met anyone who's, who's eaten too much fruit because <laughs> because of the fiber. And when you eat a balanced plate like this, because of all that fiber, you feel full naturally and your inclination is to not overeat fruit. Mm -hmm. Perfect, thank you. Okay. And then my last question, what about we've heard of the dirty dozen, that there's a dozen that you're supposed to avoid because of all the pesticides. Yes, that's very true. The US environmental group does an excellent job of looking at this every year. They do update this every year, but it's pretty much the same foods that come out on the Dirty Dozen. So berries are at the top of the list. Brussels sprouts are on that list. And the alternative is to try to focus on eating organic berries. Mm -hmm. We love our berries. Uh, they can be very expensive when they're out of season. Sometimes you can find options in the frozen food department. Uh, you can get a really large bag of frozen organic blueberries for I think 10 or $12 mm -hmm. that you keep in the freezer. You buy them when they're in season and on sale. If you have room in your freezer, throw them in the freezer. They freeze really well too. And they still taste delicious in uh, baked goods and um, smoothies. So basically don't, avoid, don't avoid the dozen, just try to go organic when you can just organic as much as possible with those. Mm -hmm. All right. Guys, if you have more questions, keep throwing them in. This is great. <laughs> well, thank you very much. That is all for now. So we will wait for more as you continue. Okay.
<clears throat> we're close to the end of the slides. This is the app we talked about. And it looks like it could be overwhelming when you're talking about three servings of beans, three servings of other fruits, one of berries, cruciferous vegetables, all of those. When you look at the beans, berries, fruits, vegetables, and vegetables, except the greens, one serving is one half cup. So you can just look at that and go, oh yeah, all those things are just one half cup. Well, it's really easy to eat a half a cup of fruit or a half a cup of, of peas or beans or corn. Uh, if you make a chili, you put all those things in there and you, I mean, you just knock off all these servings all at one time. The greens, yeah, one serving of greens is two cups. And then we've got flax seeds, nut seeds, nuts and seeds, that's uh, one tablespoon. They are excellent for you. They're very uh, potent uh, nutritional supplements. They're full of omega-3s, but they're also higher in fat because they're seeds. They're meant to grow plants, right? So you just don't want to overeat the flax seeds, nuts, and seeds if you are trying to lose weight because of the fat content. You want to limit it to your one tablespoon a day. And then herbs and spices. I mean, you use those liberally. Just enjoy those and have fun. Then you can put it on your phone. Dr. Greger, he is... He is our nutrition expert in the medical world. His website is nutritionfacts.org. Anything that you want to know about research with food, he has it on his website. He has an army of volunteer physicians along with himself whose goal is to analyze every single scientific nutrition paper that's published. And he comes out with uh, summaries every week. He has a video summary and he has a written summary. So if there's anything you want to know about, he's got it. If you want to know about it, let me know. I can research it and I can get you the absolute latest research. And it's not that he is prejudiced toward plants, but the research continues to demonstrate that plants are where it's at. We also like to emphasize that you can still have all of the foods that you love. You just use different ingredients to make them. These are all plant-based meals. So, you know, we've got recipes for that. We can do cooking classes in the future if you like. Uh, Heather and I have a ball doing this. And these are all salt-free, oil-free, and sugar-free. So I love this picture because this reminds me of how I felt when I first looked at plant-based eating about 12 years ago. And I think this is how a lot of us feel. We're kind of like the puppy under the chair going, mm, I don't know, oh, am I gonna like check this out or go back? You know how puppies are like, they come out, then they go back, then they come out, then they go back. So we've all felt like this. We've all been on this journey. And um, what's exciting is that when you step out and you start to experiment with it, you just feel so much better. We know it's a family affair. We know that it, it requires a team effort. For 30 years, I counseled women when they came in for their annual exams and their pap smears, and we'd tackle all these problems and we'd create a plan of action that I thought was really great. And they'd walk out the door with their plan of action, but it never worked. But why didn't it work? It didn't work because I didn't understand modern coaching methods. I didn't understand how people needed sustained support and behavior change which is one thing that Bree just does an incredible job with. And, um, 
And we know now, I know, I understand now why it doesn't work. You just can't tell people things and do them. We've got to look at your personal situation. What are your likes? What are your dislikes? What's your kitchen like? What resources do you have? You know, what's your budget like? There's so many variables that play into this. And we have a way to solve all of those issues and create a plan that's just perfect for you. These are some of my favorite plant-based cookbooks. Dr. Will Bolsowitz is the gastroenterologist, whole food plant-based expert. He is absolutely brilliant. He came out with this cookbook last year. He talks about different types of bowel diseases in his cookbook, and he actually creates chapters that address these different bowel issues and gives you recipes that you can use that are plant-based recipes for whatever bowel issue you have. He also talks about and is thoroughly understands the difficulty in transitioning to plant-based when you've not had any plants in your life. It can be very difficult for your body to start to digest beans when, you've, when you eat mostly meat and dairy and cheese because you don't have the bacteria to process the beans, but you can grow them. You can grow them in less than two weeks. It's really a remarkable process. So for people who don't eat any beans, we just ask them to start out by eating maybe a quarter of a cup a day, or maybe just two spoonfuls a couple times a day. Just start to feed the healthy bacteria and let them grow. And as they grow, you can process more. The goal is to eat a cup or two a day. It doesn't hurt you to eat more, but Sometimes we have to start slow with that project. Jane and Ann Esselstein, who wrote Be a Plant-Based Woman Warrior, have a great story to tell. Jane is Dr. Esselstein's wife and Ann. Ann is his wife, Jane is his daughter. And Ann talks about how, as, as Dr. Esselstein did this research at the Cleveland Clinic, he came home and he said, Ann, we're not eating any more meat. Get rid of the dairy. And this is a man who grew up on a, on a cattle farm. Mm-hmm. Get rid of all this stuff. You got to start cooking different. And she's like, what? We have four kids. How am I going to do that? He says, you'll figure it out. You're a bright lady, but we can't eat this stuff anymore. <laughs> so this is a cookbook of 40 years worth of refined plant-based recipes that are quick to make, that are nutritious, that are heart healthy, and that you can make for families and that families enjoy and children enjoy. And then Plant Powered Families, the other one, that's just a lovely cookbook too. Drina Burton has been in this a long time. She's very well known in the plant-based world for her healthy recipes and how she raised her children on plant-based foods. So it's not impossible. Uh, Heather's got great stories to tell. She's raising two teenage boys on plant-based foods and it can be done. It really is very possible. So this is you, you can do it. It's a transition, it's a journey. It can be a very fun journey. And I just encourage everyone to give it a try. And we're here for you. Any questions you have, always feel free to ask. So thank you very much for having me. I didn't intend to talk this long, but I'm- (laughs) I want more, like I'm not done yet. I still have more questions, I love this. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. I'm so grateful for your time. You've all been very gracious. And so I appreciate that. And just tell everybody you know. (laughs) Oh, 
Oh, I will. <laughs> Thank you so much. Do you have a few more minutes? I know it's it's been an hour, so it's been a while. If you have a few more, I've got a couple more questions for you. Absolutely. Um, we'll go for it. Watchers. Okay. I'm okay. going to start with the Zoom chat since you guys have all been here with us on camera. Thank you so much. Um, first of all, Candy wants to know, what about putting nutritional yeast on your food? Is it necessary? Oh, well, that's a good question. It's an excellent it's an excellent food to use in plant-based cooking. We use a lot of it. You absolutely can sprinkle it on food. Sometimes people sprinkle it on potatoes, salads. Uh, you can put it in smoothies. It gives foods a cheesy flavor. That's one of the ways we use it. So is it essential? It's a lovely adjunct. It's full of B vitamins. It gives you some natural B vitamins along with your supplement, but you you, can, you can't eat enough nutritional yeast to actually equal a B12, the B12 supplement that you need to take on a plant-based diet. Yeah, absolutely. Use it liberally. It's just deactivated yeast, but it, when that goes through that process, it has some um, cheesy flavor. Okay, awesome. And then Ashley wants to know, um, there's a company called Juice Plus, and they make gummies and pills that are apparently daily servings of fruits and vegetables. Do we want to try things like that? Or do you want to, instead of like juices, we want to go for the actual just fruit and vegetable? A juice Plus has been around for decades too. And their message is wonderful. I appreciate their message and what they're trying to do because they see this deficit in our friends and loved ones. I mean, they know it's there. So the message is excellent, but it's still processed fruits and vegetables. Um, the other problem with over-the-counter products is that we don't know how much nutritional value it maintains when it's been processed or cooked. So when you look at a gummy, there's really not much fiber in the gummy unless they add back fiber. So it's always better to eat the food. Now, there's a lot of science around not only the microbiome in your colon, we know that that exists, we're starting to hear about it a lot, but there's bacteria in your gastrointestinal tract and really all over your body that helps your body function. So we've got natural bacteria in our mouths and when we chew our foods, that enhances the digestion, the beginnings of the digestion of those foods. And um, so even though you brush your teeth, you still have this natural bacteria that help with your digestion in your mouth because all the way through into your stomach, small bowel and colon. So the more you can just eat the whole foods, you're gonna get uh, just greater nutritional benefit from that. And when you take a gummy, you never, you don't feel full on a gummy and they probably have added sugar to it. So when in doubt, stick with whole plants, full fruits, full vegetables, try not to do the shortcuts. Yes. Shortcut, and we do that naturally. I mean, it just pops up in our brains, but that goes back to the question of why does it pop up in our brains? Because of the marketing, because of the messages that we're subject to every day, all day long, like every day, all day long, you see it. And when, you're, when you start to see it on your radar screen, it's gonna start hitting you like, oh no, that's because of marketing. Oh, I have this question because, that's because I've heard this from, XYZ source all these, you know, over and over again. I've always heard this. Or they say, that's another popular thing. If you hear something in your head that says, but they say, well, who's they? It's like, right. where did that come from? So that's a really uh, important part of critical thinking. 
So on that topic, then another trend that we have a question about is collagen. And it's they, they keep talking about collagen. That's what right. They do. On that? You don't need it. <laughs> Honestly, you don't need any of those supplements. And there has been some scientific literature out and I'm pretty sure Dr. Grieger has it on his website where he's exactly talked about this, that collagen was looked at in controlled double blind studies and it just has no benefit at all. Oh, wow. All right, and then last thing that I think I see right now is where do you actually go find like the soy products in the grocery store? Oh, cool. Is it just tofu, tofu or other things we should look out for? Most grocery stores have a tofu that's in, a in the refrigerated section of the produce department. And they usually put it with the other fermented products. So the tofu is usually in the same area as kombucha, for example. Uh, there, there are companies who package tofu in the non-perishable packages. Those are called Tetra Packs. And so you can actually order those off the internet. We do both at our house because we just like to have a supply in the closet. If you order tofu off the internet in Tetra Packs, then um, you can just put it in the closet. You don't have to worry about putting it in the refrigerator. And But as soon as you open the Tetra Pack, then you start the process of you know, of being exposed to air and degradation and you just want to use it up right away. And I can actually show people pictures of what those packages look like on our Sunday talk if they like. Okay. Yes, and so everybody watching, one, again, thank you guys so much for spending this much time with us, but keep yeah. the questions coming. And so keep putting them on this video or I'm going to put the event up for Sunday. We're going to do another Q&A it's just gonna be all questions like this. So either send them to me until I put the event up, because I'll do that here in, as soon as this ends, or start putting them in the event so that we've got a list of questions to already start with, and we'll just start firing away answers from our yeah. team. And that will include Heather, I think, uh -huh. I'll double check. And so if there's certain cooking things you're not sure of, like how do I do this? How do I replace this? Yes. How do I make queso? Questions like that, Heather's gonna Heather's gonna chime in too and give us some yes. delicious ways so we don't miss out on anything. Yes, she's amazing. And we'll, I mean, we'll throw in some of our favorite recipes, absolutely for sure. All right. That being said, I have one last question, and it is okay. Can it be beneficial if you have certain bowel diseases to switch over to plant-based? Yes, it absolutely can be. Because the meat and the dairy promote toxins in the gastrointestinal tract, and they promote the formation of bacteria that have toxins in the gastrointestinal tract. And those toxins cause what's called leaky gut. The junctions between the cells aren't tight because of the, it's almost like a poisonous effect of these little tiny molecules of, of microchemicals. And then you have other, uh, other toxins that are absorbed into the bloodstream because the junctions between the cells aren't tight. So that's that vicious cycle again. So I think that anyone who has questions about gastrointestinal issues, absolutely. Dr. Will Bolsowitz's book called Fiber Fueled is a must read and the Fiber Fueled Cookbook is a must to have in the house. It's just brilliant work. He understands all of this. He's worked with it for decades. And he does a gorgeous job 
teasing out the details of what the problems are and how to tackle each issue. But absolutely the answers in the plans. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. And then just a little, maybe Heather even has some insight on this, but since we're about to be cooking this way, Christian asks, how do we keep fresh produce good longer? Or do we need to just keep buying them very frequently? Is there some kind of trick to keep stuff fresh longer? Well, that's a great question. I've been seeing this guy on Instagram giving us tips about how to keep your produce fresh for you know three or four weeks in the refrigerator. But to me, it's difficult to do it. And I would rather just go buy fresh. And here's why. Um, I don't have any tricks for bananas. We end up buying bananas at our house probably two to three times a week. They just are gonna turn yellow. As they turn yellow, as they turn start to get brown, if you feel like you can't eat them, freeze them, take the skin off, freeze them for smoothies. They work out great. Or uh, Heather has uh, what she calls a banana ice cream. We use the bananas, frozen bananas in a blender instead of ice cream. So there are different ways to manage the brown bananas. Um, when, when fruits and vegetables sit for prolonged periods of time and each each type has a different shelf life. The longer they sit, the more nutritional value they lose. Mm -hmm. so, so I would always be an advocate for going at least once a week to the store to get fresh or maybe twice a week, depending you know, if the store is on the way to work or on the way home from work. Just buy the fresh. I mean, there are little tricks like broccoli. I don't know if anyone's ever noticed that sometimes when you see broccoli, it's got like little purplish hue on the very tips. Does that sound familiar? So that's the freshest broccoli you can buy when it has the purple tips. When it loses the purple coloring, it's been sitting longer. And so I just don't buy it. I won't invest in broccoli without the purple tips because I want the maximum nutritional value and whatever I put in my mouth and spend money on. That makes sense. I hope that helps. Yes, it does. And so it is worth the extra effort to just go to the grocery store more frequently with smaller trips and just get the freshest thing you can. Get the freshest thing that you can. Absolutely. Beautiful. Thank you. These are very, very good tips. Thank you. All right. I think that is it for now with our questions. You're getting a lot of love in the Facebook right now. And oh so my goodness. a lot of comments and more questions to come. I'm so excited to good. start. This well, thank you so much. Thank you so much to everyone. Thank you for being here. I'm thrilled with the questions. And as you can see, I can talk about nutrition all day, but you can see why. It's powerful. It's a critical issue. The standard American diet is literally killing our loved ones. And it breaks my heart and because it doesn't have to be that way. Mm -hmm. So we're on a mission, we right? Are. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so Thank much, you everybody. We appreciate you. We will you. get a lot more of this as the week goes on. Please send your questions my way. Thank you so much, Dr. Erin. We will see so, you again Sunday. I'm so grateful. I Thank look forward so to it. Thank you, everybody. We will see you soon.